0: Parmatmane Namaha Yatarth Gita Srimad Bhagavad Gita Chapter 17 The Yoga of Threefold Faith Yogeshwar Krishna explicitly said at the end of Chapter 16 that the action which he has repeatedly spoken of commences only after the renunciation of desire, anger and greed. It is the action without accomplishing which there is neither happiness nor perfection, nor the final beatitude. Scripture is therefore the authority to fall back upon whenever we are faced by the dilemma of that which is worthy of being done and that which is unworthy, of that which we should do and that which we should not. And that scripture is the Gita, the epitome of the most esoteric knowledge. There are other scriptures also, but it is of the utmost importance that we always keep our eyes fixed on the Gita. If we seek elsewhere, we may stray, for the systematic, straight approach of the Gita is not to be found anywhere else. Thereafter, Arjun asks the Lord to enlighten him on the state of persons who worship in contravention of the scriptural ordinance, although with staunch faith. Are they sattviki, rajasi, or tamasi? Are they righteous, impassioned, or diabolical? Arjun wishes to be enlightened on this because he has learnt earlier that whatever be the property, sattva, rajas, or tamas, it is determined by the nature of one's birth. It is for this reason that at the very outset of the chapter he raises this question.
1: stra vidhimutsrejj yajante shraddayanvitah tesham nishthatuka krishna sattva maho rajas arjun
0: said what o krishna is the property satva rajas, or tamas, of persons who albeit worship with faith, but in disregard of the scriptural ordinance. To resolve Arjuna's doubt, Krishna then classifies faith also as being of three kinds.
1: Revitabhawati Shatha Dehinam Savaja Satviki Rajasi Jeva Tamasi Shrinu.
0: The Lord said. Listen to me on how the faith arising from people's innate nature also is of three kinds, virtuous, impassioned, and blind. In Chapter 2, the Yogeshwar Krishna told Arjuna that the prescribed action in yoga, in both the way of selfless action and the way of knowledge, is the same. The mind, which is earnestly and firmly given to selfless action, is aimed in a single direction. The minds of ignorant persons are, on the contrary, endlessly divided, because of which they invent countless different ways. Their minds are riddled with innumerable dissensions, and they not only devise various rites and ceremonies, but also flaunt them in flowery and alluring words." Unfortunately, they who pay heed to these alluring words are also deluded, as a result of which they fail to do that which is worthwhile and just. The same is reiterated here in a different way when Krishna points out that the faith of persons who worship in transgression of the scriptural injunction is of three kinds. The current of faith flowing in the human heart is either good or fervent or insensible.
1: Satvanurupa nuru sarvasya Shraddha-bhavati-bhārata Shraddha-mayo-yam-puruṣo shraddha sa eva
0: Since the faith of all people, O Bharat Arjun, is according to their inherent propensity, and man is reverent, he is what his faith is. The faith of all persons is according to their natural inclination. Man is by nature a creature of faith. It is thus that a person's character bears a close resemblance to the character of their faith we are often asked who we are. Some of us say that we are soul, but Yogeshwar Krishna contradicts this. Like disposition, like faith, He avers, and so also is the person. The Gita provides an insight into what true yoga is. Maharshi Patanjali was also a yogi, and we have his yoga system of philosophy. According to him, Yog is perfect restraint of the mind, and the use of this arduous discipline is that in this state, the onlooker, the individual soul enshrined in the human body, comes to rest firmly in his own eternal true counterpart. Is he tainted before this union? In Patanjali's view, the soul is earlier the same as the predilection of the man who embodies it. And Krishna now affirms that man is naturally endowed with the quality of faith, indeed totally immersed in it. There is some dedication in him, and he is molded by the character of his faith. A man is what his natural inclination is. At this point Krishna proceeds to catalog the three kinds of faith.
1: Yajante Sattvika Devan Yaksharakshau sirajasaha Pretan-bhuta-gana uschanye Yajante tamasajanaha
0: While the virtuous worship gods, and the impassioned and morally blind, worship yaksha and demons. They who are blinded by ignorance worship ghosts and nature spirits. We all labor tirelessly to worship what our hearts are inclined to and what we revere.
1: प्यंते येत पोजनाह, दंभाहं कारसै युक्ताह, कामराग
0: Mark you that they who undergo terrible self-mortification without scriptural sanction and are afflicted with hypocrisy and arrogance besides lust, attachment, and vanity of power, and who wear out not only the elements that form their bodies, but also Me who dwells in their souls. These are ignorant men with evil disposition. The soul is rendered feeble by maladies when it slips into the fissures of nature, whereas Yajna provides him strength. Arjuna is therefore counseled to regard the ignorant, insensible people who do injury to the soul as unquestionably demoniacal. Thus is resolved the issue raised by Arjuna. Righteous persons who have forsaken the way shown by scripture worship gods. They who are driven by passions worship yaksha and demons, and the ignorant pray and bow to ghosts and spirits. They not only worship, but indulge in the most agonizing exercises of penance. According to Krishna, however, these acts of self-mortification only sap the elements that make up their bodies and the God within their soul. Thus, instead of adoring the one true God and partaking of His divinity, they only further distance themselves from Him. These persons ought to be regarded as evil. This implies that even worshippers of gods are evil there could be no stronger way of putting across the idea. So let us resolve to only adore and pray to and worship that supreme being of whom all these, the many gods, yaksha, demons, ghosts, and spirits, are no more than tiny fractions. This has been repeatedly emphasized by Krishna. (laughs)
1: Ah tvapisarvasya, trividho bhavatipriyaha, yajnyas <laughs> tapas tathādānam, tesāmbhedamimam śrīnu.
0: Listen to me as I tell you the distinction between the three kinds of yajna, penance and alms that are like the three kinds of food relished according to individual taste. People love three kinds of food according to their respective taste, just as there are three kinds of faith, and there are likewise three kinds of yagya, penance and charity. The first to be categorized is food.
1: Ayu sattva bala sukha priti vivardhanah rasya snigdha Ahara-satvika-priya
0: Food that is naturally pleasing and conducive to life, intellect, strength, sound health, happiness, and satisfaction, besides being savory, tender, and durable, is loved by the virtuous. Apparently, according to Krishna, food that is naturally agreeable and good for strength, sound health and intellect, and thus for longevity, is good. And such food is dear to the righteous. It is thus clear that no food as such has the property of ennobling or of stimulating or of depressing so neither is milk perfect, nor onions inflaming, nor garlic a generator of baser instincts. As for food that is conducive to good physique, healthy mind, and sound health, the choice of people all over the world varies widely according to environment and geographical condition, and, of course, according to individual taste. Whereas rice is the staple food of some, others in other regions prefer bread made from wheat flour. There are countries where people subsist mainly on banana and potato. Mutton and fish, and even frogs, snakes and dogs, and horse flesh are all accepted and enjoyed as food by inhabitants of different parts of the earth. There are people to whom camel flesh is a delicacy. An overwhelming majority of Europeans and Americans are eaters of beef and pork. But that has not in any way prevented them from being ranked first in matters of learning, intellectual advancement, and economic progress. According to the Gita, food that is tasteful, tender, and nutritious is sattvic. That food is good which is congenial and favorable to long life, strengthening of both body and mind, and to sound health. But it is also laid down that food that is naturally relished is good. So there is no use saying that this food is pious, while that is impious. The only tenable view is that that food is good, which is in keeping with the local situation, surroundings, place and time, and which provides the required nourishment. The use of an object, rather than the object itself, is what makes it good, morally objectionable, or evil. So it is that food and drinks such as meat and alcoholic beverages are uncongenial to a person who has renounced their home and family and taken up the life of a sannyasi renunciate engaged in meditation upon God. Experience demonstrates that such victuals result in a state of mind that is inimical to spiritual discipline. There is always a possibility that such food and drinks will lead the seeker astray from the way of attainment. So they who have chosen a life of seclusion because of their disenchantment with worldly passions had better keep in mind the advice about food that Krishna has offered in chapter 6. The proper thing to do is to eat and drink only that which is favorable to worship and adoration of
1: God katvam lalavana tushna tikshna ruksha vidahina ahara rajasasyeshta dukha shokamaya pradah bitter
0: sour salty too hot pungent rough and acidic food that gives rise to sorrow Worries and illness is preferred by the passionate. And
1: Yatayam Gatarasam Putiparyushitanchayat Yushitan Chayat Bhujanam tamasapriyam
0: Food that is half-cooked, unsavory, odorous, stale, leftover and defile, is liked by persons with a dull sensibility. The discussion of food is now closed, and that of the next subject, namely yagya, is taken up.
1: Yagya
0: that has scriptural sanction, and the performance of which is an obligation, is fitting and auspicious when it is practiced by persons with intent minds who aspire to no reward. The Gita approves of such Yajna. It was in Chapter 3 that Krishna first named Yajna. Since the conduct of Yajna is the only action, he said, and all other business in which people are engaged are only forms of worldly bondage, O son of Kunti Arjun. Be unattached and do your duty to the Supreme Spirit well. In Chapter 4, then, he went on to explain the character of the unique action called Yagya, that it is an act of sacrifice in which the practitioner of yoga offers the incoming and outgoing breath, pran and apan, to each other, and in which the two vital winds are regulated by offering them as oblation, to the fire of self-restraint to achieve serenity of breath. There were thus enumerated fourteen steps of Yajna, which are all but varying stages of the same action that bridges the gulf between individual soul and the Supreme Spirit. In brief, Yajna has been imaged as that unique process of contemplation which leads the worshiper to the eternal, immutable God and ultimately effects his dissolution in that Supreme Being. Krishna again points to the same holy injunction when he lays it down that the Yajna that is decreed by scripture, and the performance of which is a duty and which restrains the mind, is the Yajna of excellence when it is undertaken by persons who do not desire any fruit of their endeavors.
1: Abhisandhāyatufalam Dambhārtham apichayvayat Ijyate bharata shveshtha Tamyagyam viddhirājasam
0: And, oh, the unequaled among Bharat, Arjun! Be it known to you that the yagya which is embarked upon for mere ostentation, or even with a view to some reward, is contaminated by passion and moral blindness. The one who sets about thus is versed in the precept of yagya, but he is in fact unrighteous and obsessed because he performs Yajna either to flaunt his virtue and win admiration, or with the design of securing some profit. Krishna then points out the features of the most inferior kind of yajna.
1: Vidhinama Srishtanam Mantrahinama Dakshinam shraddhavirahitam yajnam Devoid
0: of scriptural sanction and powerless to invoke the Supreme Spirit as well as to restrain the mind, the Yajna that is engaged in without a sense of total sacrifice and faith is said to be demoniacal. Unsupported by scriptural authority and incapable of generating even food, the lowest form in which God is manifested, and of restraining the mind, and possessed of neither the urge to make sacred offerings, the will for total self-surrender, nor true devotion, this form of yajna is rightly said to be of the most inferior kind. Therefore, the person who undertakes it does not have even the faintest glimmering of true yajna and next remarks upon the question of penance
1: Devadvija guru pragya poojanam Shauchamarjavam marjavam brahmacharya mahiy saach shariram
0: Adoration of God, the twice-born, the teacher-preceptor, and of the learned, along with having the qualities of innocence, uprightness, chastity, and disinclination to violence, are said to be penance of the body. The body ever strays towards its desires, so chastening it to make it abide by the predisposition of the soul is physical penance.
1: Anudvegakaram satyam priahitam chayat
0: and utterance that does not agitate but is soothing, propitious and truthful and which is but an exercise in the study of Ved, in remembrance of the Supreme Being, and in self-contemplation, is said to be the penance of speech. Articulation is also resorted to in order to give expression to thoughts that have a leaning towards objects of sensual gratification. Restraining it from this and steering it deliberately in the direction of God is the penance of speech. The last form we are apprised of is penance of the mind.
1: Mana prasada samyatvamatma vinigraha bhava sam shuddiritat
0: Affable temperament, tranquility, silent meditation, self-possession, inner purity, and the like are said to be penance of the mind. Simultaneous practice of the three kinds of penance, of body, speech, and mind, is the truly worthwhile penance.
1: Shraddhaya-paraya-taptam tapas-tat-trividham-naraihi afalakam-shivir-yuktaihi yuktaihi sattvikam The
0: threefold types of penance undergone with utmost faith by selfless persons who do not desire any fruit thereof, is said to be truly righteous. The other kind of self-mortification is that which is indulged in by people of passion.
1: Satkaramana pujartham And
0: if undergone with the purpose of gaining homage, honor, and adoration, or for mere display, penance is unsteady and ephemeral, and is said to have the property of rajas. And so now we come to the penance of the most depraved kind, the one which is deemed evil.
1: Mūdhagrahenātmano yat kriyate tapah Parasyo sadhanārtham vā
0: The penance that is undertaken out of mere stupid stubbornness, or to hurt others, is said to be diabolical. Thus, as we have seen, the purpose of penance, that is good and virtuous, is to mould the body, mind and speech in harmony with the cherished end. The mode of impulsive penance is similar, but it is taken up with the vainglorious desire for worldly honor. Sometimes even exceptional souls who have renounced the world fall prey to this infirmity. The third kind of penance, that which is called demoniacal, is not only done wrongfully, but also with the malicious intention of causing harm to others. Krishna next takes up the question of alms.
1: Datovyamitiadhanam Diatupakari De Shekalechapatrecha Tadanam satvikam smitam.
0: And the alms that are given to the right person at the right place and time and in the spirit that charity is a bounden duty done without any expectation are said to be good. However, charity that is grievous because it is done under coercion or with expectation of some favor or reward is of the impassioned kind.
1: Yattu and
0: alms which are offered grudgingly and for a good turn in exchange, or with some recompense in view, is said to be impulsive and morally improper. The basest kinds of gifts are, however, those that are offered with disrespect and scorn to the undeserving at an inopportune place and
1: time. Adesha <laughs>
0: and the alms which are dispensed without deference or contemptuously to unworthy recipients at an inappropriate place and time are said to be diabolical. The revered Maharajaji would always tell us, Bear it in mind that the donor is wrecked if he gives alms to the undeserving. Similar to this is Krishna's observation that charity is worthwhile only if it is directed, at a suitable place and time, at the meritorious with true generosity and without any desire for a reciprocal favor. Gifts that are offered reluctantly and with an eye on some profit in return are morally flawed, while alms that are given irreverently and with scorn to the undeserving are positively evil. Though generically they are all gifts, almsgiving by persons who renounce their desires, home and all, and place their trust in God alone, is of a higher order, for charity of this kind implies a total surrender by a mind that has been purged of all cravings. Krishna approves of this form of charity as an indispensable necessity. Krishna at last enlightens Arjuna on the significance of Om, Tat, and Sat.
1: Saditini redesho Brahmharna strividha smrita Brahmharna stainaveda yagascha vihita pura.
0: Om, Tat, and Sat are three epithets used for the Supreme Being, from whom at the outset there came forth the Brahman, Ved, and Yajna. Krishna tells Arjuna on how the three names OM, TAT, and SAT, symbolizing God, direct us to the Supreme Being and call Him to mind. It is He who at the beginning created the Brahman, the Ved, and Yajna. That is to say that Brahmin, the Ved, and Yajna are all born from om the symbol of brahm thus it could also be said that they have all ensued from yog they are generated only by ceaseless contemplation of om and other than this there is no way
1: Tasmado mityudaditya yagyadanatapa kriya pravartante vidanukta satatam brahmavadinam.
0: It is hence that the deeds of yagya, charity and penance, as ordained by Scripture, are always initiated by the devotees of Ved with the resonant utterance of the syllable Om. It is owing to this that performance of the ordained worship, benevolence, and penance by persons who concern themselves with God ever commences with an articulation of the sacred Om. for this utterance reminds one of that Supreme Being, Krishna then elaborates the meaning and use of tat.
1: Tadityanabhisandhaya phalam yagya tapah kriyaa daana kriyaasch vividaa kriyante mokshakankshivi
0: stripped of desire for any reward and holding that God is all-pervading. Persons who aspire to the ultimate bliss embark on the tasks of yagya, penance, and charity as ordained by scripture. Tat denotes surrender to God. Stated differently, one has to recite Om and take up the accomplishment of Yagya almsgiving and penance with absolute trust in tat that is that god krishna next elucidates the meaning and use of the word sat
1: sadbhave sadhu saditye tat
0: Sat is employed to express the ideas of truth and excellence and, O Part, Arjun, the word is also used to denote a propitious act. At the beginning of the Gita, Arjuna held forth that family traditions alone were permanent and real. That provoked Krishna to ask him how he had become a victim of such a deluded notion. That which is real is never absent at any time and it cannot be annihilated, whereas that which is unreal has no existence at any time and it cannot be otherwise. Now what is that which never has a being? Krishna affirmed while resolving these questions that the self alone is real, and also that the bodies of all living beings are perishable. The self is eternal, imperceptible, permanent, and immortal. This is the paramount truth. Krishna remarks that this epithet of the Supreme Being, that is, the word sat, refers to truth and thus to the sense of perfection. Arjuna is further told that the expression sat is employed when the commencement of the undertaken task is complete in every respect and well underway. Sat by no means implies that all these objects are ours. How can things our physical bodies make use of belong to us when we are not masters of even our own persons? The application of sat is always aimed in the same direction, of faith in the verity that the Self is the most sublime reality. The word sat is used when there is firm belief in this truth, when there is a hankering after perfection to realize this truth, and when the action that effects this realization begins to get along well. On the same subject of reality, the Yogeshwar speaks again.
1: Yajne Stiti sthiti sadhiti chocchate karma
0: and it is said that the condition inherent in Yajna, penance, and charity, as well as the endeavor to attain to God, is also real. Only action that is entered upon for the attainment of God is real, and alms almsgiving, and atonement are but complements to this undertaking. Finally, Krishna affirms decisively that faith is an essential requisite of all these undertakings.
1: Ashradhyahutandattam tapastaptam kritan chayat asadityuchate partha.
0: Therefore, O Parth Arjuna, is it said that devoid of faith, the oblation and alms that are offered, and the penance that is suffered, as well as all other similar ventures, are all false, for they can do us good neither in this world nor in the next. All that is done without genuine trust and reverence, whether sacrifice or charity or self-mortification by way of contrition, is unreal. This is said, for such deeds are beneficial neither in this life nor after death. Faith combined with self-surrender is therefore a crucial necessity. Conclusion REVERENT SERVICE TO A TEACHER-PRECEPTOR, WHO HAS ALL THE VIRTUES THAT CAN PROVIDE ACCESS TO THE SUPREME GOD, AND SINCERE CONTRITION THAT OBSERVES THE PRINCIPLES OF NON-INJURY, CONTINENCE, AND PURITY, CONSTITUTE PENANCE OF THE BODY. SPEAKING THAT WHICH IS TRUE, AGREEABLE, AND BENIGN IS THE PENANCE OF SPEECH. BRINGING THE MIND TO BEAR UPON THE REQUIRED ACTION and holding it in a state of silent meditation on the cherished goal alone, and nothing else, is penance of the mind. But the penance that is complete and perfect in all respects is that which involves the mind, speech, and body, all. Alms given reverentially out of a sense of moral obligation and with a due regard for suitable place and time, as well as for worthiness of the recipient, are good but alms given with reluctance and hope of some consequent profit are an outcome of passion while alms given with disdain to an undeserving beneficiary are caused by ignorance identifying the character of om tat and sat krishna says that these names awaken memories of god om is intoned at the initiation of penance, charity, and yagya that are in keeping with the way prescribed by scripture. And the sacred sound stays with the seeker until the consummation of his enterprise. Tat signifies the yonder god. The ordained action can be accomplished only with a sense of total resignation. And the word sat, manifests itself only when the venture has gotten well under way. Worship of God alone is reality. Sat is put to use when the devotee is convinced of the truth and possessed by a craving for perfection. Sat is relevant also to the final conclusion of the action, comprising yagya charity, and penance, that is capable of taking one to God. The deeds that provide access to God are doubtlessly real, but along with all these, faith is a prime necessity. Undertaken without faith, the action that is accomplished, the alms that are given, and the fire of penance in which the worshiper has burnt himself, are all in vain, profitless, both in the present life and in the lives to come. Faith is thus imperative. Thus, through the entire chapter, light is shed on faith, and in its concluding part there is attempted, for the first time in the Gita, a detailed elucidation of Om, Tat, and Sat. Thus concludes the seventeenth chapter in the Upanishad of Srimad Bhagavad Gita on the knowledge of the Supreme Spirit, the science of yoga and the dialogue between Krishna and Arjuna entitled Om Tatsat Shradhatya Vibhag Yoga or The Yoga of Threefold Faith. Thus concludes Swami exposition of the 17th chapter in Yatart Gita. Hari Om
1: Tatsat